hour number two of the Blitz starting right now. 1340 AM, 105.7 FM. Live in your Fan Run Radio app, that's free. Wherever you get your apps, download us. Take us with you on the go, wherever you may go. We're also live on video. That video feed, it's up over on the Fox Sports Knox Twitter feed. If you want to watch along at home, we're also live on Twitch, live on Facebook. If you missed anything from Hour 1 or any of the Fan Run uh, network of shows, every show at the end of the hour posted as a podcast. You can go back and listen on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. Uh, bowl Pick'em Contest rolling along, presented by Crown Cleaners. We had our first five games this weekend. Sam, did you remember to fill your picks out? I did. Are you in our, our fan run bowl pick'em? Yeah, I should be. How'd you do this weekend? Um I think let's see here. Where'd it go? There it is. Five and two. Five and two. Yeah. Wow. Good weekend. Lost out on uh Louisiana and New Mexico State. I'm two and five. Okay. It's all right, Charlie. You'll get there. I missed on Georgia Southern. <laughs> they were favorites. Missed on Georgia Southern. Uh, missed on Miami of Ohio. Missed on New Mexico State. Missed on Boise State. And I don't know why I picked Cal, but I missed on them too. Where are the uh, – can I see the standings? Yeah, I'm looking at the standings now. Oh, I'm in 300th place. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely down there. Out of 314. <laughs> so, uh, that's not good <laughs> at all. No. Um, let's see. We have – it looks like – What happens if you tie, Charlie, and, and – like? The person above you is a tie, like the first person right above you? It's just the you. first person right above me. Okay. It can be a tie. It can be whatever else. It All looks right. like it might be the person in 299th place. but You know, I didn't know if it's like a golf tournament where it's like you pay out all of the people with the ties. Nope, nope. Just the person <laughs> one spot directly above me. It uh, looks like we had 17 people go uh, go 7-0 and this weekend. We got Sammy B. That's not you. No, that's not me. We got Communist Bear. It's a good name. Bear is indeed a communist. Uh, we got Houston thinks he's funny. They're seven and zero. I think Houston's pretty funny. <laughs> pretty funny guy. Low Country Vol. All right. We can make up some ground. Maybe. <laughs> I like a lot of these names. I do too. That's. I'm enjoying that part. Slothy McGee. <laughs> See, I'm in another I'm in another bowl picking where it's uh confidence points and I still have one of the highest maximum totals possible. So, I just had some low confidence ones the first weekend. That's all. We're going to bounce back from them, okay? Uh hour 2 though. Let's go ahead. Let's get started here with an opening drive. Little opening drive on a Monday morning. 
First down. The number one quarterback in the 2023 class. Yeah, this is some big news. The number one quarterback recruit in the 2023 class is hitting the transfer portal. And no, I'm not talking about Nico Iamaliava. Nope, just the number one recruit in ESPN's recruiting rankings. So uh, not the actual number one recruit because ESPN recruiting rankings are meaningless these days. Uh, but still a five-star prospect nonetheless. Malachi Nelson leaving USC. Uh, again, he was ESPN's top recruit. He was a five-star elsewhere. Uh, initially committed to Oklahoma out of high school. Uh, he then followed Lincoln Riley and, and flipped his commitment to USC. He uh, was the Gatorade Player of the Year, threw for almost 3,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, and four picks in high school. He early enrolled at USC, sat behind Caleb Williams this past year. I don't know what this means for USC. I assumed like he was just, you know, the prince that's promised. Like the, yeah, the no. guy that was in line to take over for Caleb Williams. I don't know. Like I I'd be curious to know if this is a surprise for USC, if this is disappointing, or if like maybe was was he not as good as advertised and they wanted to kind of move in a different direction and they let him know that? I I really don't know. This one was very strange to me. It it did kind of feel like the next in line type of deal. It's just Well, I think I don't the, know. I mean what is US they're not active in the portal for a quarterback. They don't have anybody else that's you know, this competition for him on the roster. Right, that was kind of the weird part to me too. It's like What's your plan now? It was late in the portal, so for Malachi Nelson, if he would have made this move two weeks ago, he could probably have picked from a a host of, of yeah. high-level Power 5 schools to start at. Now, obviously, there are still openings and there are still some desirable spots, but, you know, waiting a couple of weeks, like some of these places have filled up. Um, let's see. I, I mean, maybe this is USC, like, wanted to move on from Malachi Nelson and they, they had a different answer in mind. I'm going to, to the, the 247 forums on USC. Let's see what they're saying. Um, okay, this come from this comes from Matt Zinnitz, one of USC's two four seven insiders. Uh, the Trojans are actively pursuing a transfer quarterback to replace Caleb Williams. They're squarely in the mix for Will Howard, meaning that Nelson's path to start would have been a little cloudy, and he wants to go ahead and get out. I don't know Is about Will that. Better? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think like I don't think Will Howard is who I'd want to to go all in on if I were Is Will Howard yeah. that good? I don't I, I He's I, getting a ton of buzz. Like, way in the too much. A I watched of it. I really liked Will Howard two years ago when he won the Big Twelve Championship, Colin Klein at a, you know, as his as his offensive coordinator. He took yeah. over for an injury injured Adrian Martinez and like those two kind of split time at some at points, but then like Will Howard took over full-time starter heading into a season with some pretty high expectations following up a Big 10 cha or Big 12 championship and a conference that looked pretty open and turned out to be pretty open and like played some pretty bad football at times. Like I, I watched him against Oklahoma State, it was awful. Watched him against Iowa State, it was awful. Like he felt like a guy to me when he hit the portal that was going to be like a 
a big name program's backup quarterback who's like coaching coaching progress type of guy almost. He doesn't strike me as like, like to me. He struck me more as like a, a Kentucky adjacent type program. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> like if he would have gone to NC State instead of Grayson McCall, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but to 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 be the plan over a five star freshman, like one year of Will Howard is worth more to USC than multiple of of a five star Malachi Nelson. I think that I think that's got to show that they that, don't. That, yeah, that's got to that's got to be more indicative of of the thoughts on Nelson. And yeah. I, at least I would imagine, right? Will Howard is not that guy. It's so weird to me. They're going to struggle, dude. USC is going to struggle in the Big Ten. Like the other thing that I find I found weird quarterback wise is that Will Will Rogers to Washington. Like I, I would have thought that Washington would have looked for a better answer to follow Michael Penix than mesh merchant Will Rogers. If he needs someone to throw mesh twenty seven times a game, he's got you. Maybe they've got a plan. Michael Penix didn't look amazing coming out of Indiana either. I don't know, man. He, he, he looks did have, I was going to say, he <laughs> did have them as a top 10 team at one point. <laughs> when he had actual talent, he was throwing to Fry Flogel. Nick Westbrook Akine. Did he flow to him? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe, though. I think he might have. Oh, I know they had, they had, Indiana had those two, like, really good receivers at the time. It was Fry Fogel and Wap Fillier. Do you remember those two names? Nope. Wap Fillier and, like, Ty Fry Fogel. They were kind of nasty. Um, let's see. Did I get those two names right? Wap Fillier and, and Ty Freifogel? Did I remember that correctly from the weird 2020 year that Indiana was top 10? So. Nick Westbrook Akine got a couple games of Michael Penix. Let's go! Nick with intangibles! All right. Um. Yeah, Malachi Nelson out, though. I think USC is going to struggle, too. Mm-hmm. I just – I don't know how you could feel great about heading into the Big Ten uh, when you just struggled as, as, as bad as you did with all of the offensive talent in the world, a reigning Heisman winner at quarterback, and Lincoln Riley as head coach. You know, now you still have the same head coach. You don't have the Heisman winning quarterback. You lost a little bit of other talent. The defense doesn't look like it's ready to just – uh, be all that competitive all that immediately you haven't really added a ton through the portal and now you're going to go play a style of football that is you know giving you the most trouble in the past couple of seasons I think it could get really ugly for USC and I kind of hope it does for ruining the Pac-12 I want them to fail miserably in the Big Ten I want I, I like I hope that they like fail long enough in the Big Ten that they start to just like fall into the middle of the pack obscurity. Twenty fun. years from now, we're looking back and like uh, USC. Uh, I don't know. They're what like an Oklahoma State type program. Oh, uh, you mean that that you know one of the other seven and five Big Ten teams that we see every year? Huh? USC. Who cares about them? Second down. Second down. Uh, all, all good streaks have to come to an end. What streak came to an end? Steph Curry. 268 straight games with a three-pointer. No longer. The Portland Trailblazers held him scoreless from three 
0 for 8 from 3, 2 for 12 overall from the field, scored just 7 points. Curry, the NBA career leader, uh, made his made 3,500 three-pointers. Last one, without a, without a three-pointer in a regular season game, Charlie. November 8th, 2018. Crazy. Owns the second longest streak, as well as the longest, <laughs> for longest uh, consecutive three-pointers made streak. Crazy though, 300 or 268 games. This one kind of feels like a little bit of the uh, when Vanderbilt lost their their three point record. It's just like maybe Steph Curry just loses his touch now. Maybe he lost his magic. <laughs> I've somehow ended up in like a, a weird circle on my Twitter for you page that is very anti Steph Curry. Huh. And I don't really interact with them, and I don't really like them, but I keep getting. Like a bunch of anti-Steph propaganda, and it keeps like osmosing its way into my brain. Like I, I was watching like a Warriors highlight the other day. I was like, hey, Steph's not that good. I was like, wait, where'd that come from? So what do you not like about him then? Apparently he's never hit a game-winning shot. Okay, I saw this too. And that keeps coming up like yeah. on my timeline. Apparently well, it just he's keeps now coming like, into my brain, not my apparently timeline. Apparently he's but. like 0 of 50 now or 0 of 51 in his career on game-winning shots. And like, does that mean something? It I might. Think so. Kind of think so. I also saw that too, Charlie, and I go, I don't know if that's true. I feel like I could have sworn I've seen like a stuff career right? game winner. Like I was also, I was like, at some point there's got to have been one. But also that's really hard to find the stats i feel like on that so i'm gonna trust it i'm gonna trust it just let me throw a couple more also's out there i also think uh i think sometimes it's a little bit difficult to have a a lot of game winners when they spent his three best seasons just beating everyone to a pulp that is one possession game that is true but I don't know, man. But oh, not one? Not one. Where you play a close game and it's like, oh, look at Steph Curry bailing him out uh, with a big you, game winning You three. seen where Golden State's at in the standings? Uh, no. I'm going to start you paying attention to, click to away the NBA the, uh, next week. probably need to click out of the, the advertisement banner at the bottom of the screen to see where they're at in the standings. They've actually they've won two in a row to get back out of uh, – back from 13th now to 11th. Okay. They kind of got some issues. And Draymond out now at least three weeks, too. Is the report? The NBA season starts for me seven days from now. I start does on it, Christmas Day. Does it still start on Christmas Day now that we have Christmas Day NFL games? Mm, yeah, because football season's done for me too now. Yeah, yeah. Football season, man. What's but that? Kings though, the Kings, the Kings, Kings, Kings guard. I'm, I'm, a King, I'm a Kings basketball fan. We do actually have some like pretty. Decent Christmas Day football games. Are there? What are the Christmas Day football games? Well, we have we have Tommy DeVito playing. Yeah. So we get that. Giants, Eagles, <laughs> uh, Raiders, Chiefs. So we have one good Christmas Day game. Christmas okay. night, Ravens, Raiders 49ers. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be beautiful. I'll take the Raven or I'll take the 49ers in that game too. Third down, some uh, staff news in the in the world of college football. Uh, Penn State closing in on Tom Allen. Speak of the ah. devil. Yeah, speak of the devil. Tom Allen to be their next defensive coordinator. I uh, feel like this is a pretty good hire. 
It'll be James Franklin's second coordinator hire this month after Andy uh, Kotelnicki was hired from Kansas to replace the fired Mike Yurichik on offense. I thought that was a really underrated hire, too, by the way. That's a great offensive coordinator. Great hire for Penn State there. But uh, Penn State defense led the FBS in yards per play allowed this season under Manny Diaz, who left to go be Duke's coach. So uh, bring in Tom Allen, who was just fired from Indiana, 33-49 and 49 in his seven years there. Uh, before that, he spent time as South Florida's defensive coordinator and three years on Ole Miss staff. Um, but I think this is a guy that understands the Big Ten, understands what James Franklin wants to do, and uh, I think we'll probably do a pretty good job here. So I think that's a solid hire. Um, you also had North Dakota State hire a coach. Mm-hmm. I still – that such a weird situation. North Dakota State's coach left – to go be the linebackers coach at USC. Not even a defensive coordinator position. I, I, I can't make any sense of that, Sam. I mean, the last, like, three North Dakota State coaches have all left to go be a coach at a higher-level program. I mean, the most recent, Chris Kleeman, leads Kansas State now, won a Big 12 championship, but this guy left to go coach linebackers for USC? Really? But uh, they got their replacement. They hired Tim Polasek. Uh, the former offensive coordinator from Wyoming because, you know, Wyoming known for their high-powered offenses when Jake Peavy's going 6 of 11 for 72 yards. I feel like you just got to hire somebody in the region, you know? <laughs> Those are just the rules. <laughs> yeah, like you can't get too far out of the Dakotas, you know, like Wyoming's about as far as you can stray away. Did you catch any of the FCS semifinals this week? Yeah. Electric. Electric. Uh, well, not the first one. The first game was just South Dakota State winning their 29th straight game by beating Albany 59 to nothing. Can we go to a football game at Montana? Go Jacks, baby. We can go to one at uh, the, the, the Stieg I'm in Brookings, familiar. South Dakota. South Dakota State. Uh, well, I want to go to Montana. John Stiekelmeyer. I want to go to Montana I do, State. too. I would like to go to like a Brawl of the Wild game between Montana and Montana State. Great rivalry there. I also want to go see a Dakota maker. Maybe we can just make a weekend out of it. I was going to say, maybe like you just spend a, a week or two. I am, in the- I am a South Dakota State Jackrabbits fan. Mm-hmm. Have been for the better part of a decade plus now, actually. So, uh, shout out me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the FCS National Championship game. Uh, but you. then we had we had a great game between North Dakota State and Montana. Double overtime. Montana punching their ticket through. Fourth down? Fourth down. Not as typical opening drive news. Not the most national headline, but I think it's fun. Uh, Kevin Kisner, Charlie. The PGA player. uh, You know, has kind of recently not been playing his best golf. Uh, A hilarious personality off the course. Um is kind of transitioning away from golf a little bit, is joining NBC Sports coverage of the uh, Century Tournament of Champions as well as the Waste Management Phoenix Open in 2024. So he will be um, the the lead analyst. So think of like Smiley Kaufman in a, in a PGA event where it's just like, yeah, he's got 175 yards and a seven iron here. Uh, you know, he's playing some good golf, but... Wind's coming off the right a little bit. You never know here. 
Kisner's going to be that guy. He's going to be giving some some on-course interviews. Um, I'm really excited for this. I think this is going to be a hit. I think Kevin Kisner will eventually kind of just end up doing this full-time, and I think he's going to be amazing at it. Um, just a guy who's got just a lot of personality for a golfer and a lot of for as many people that you know that, that seem like they have no personality in golf and just seem kind of boring to talk to Kisner's not one of those guys uh, he's hilarious he loves to chop it up with the guys and he's a, a respected guy on tour as well so I think that you know he'll get some of the best kind of reactions and stuff out of some players out there uh, you know on the course and stuff and I think that'll be a a big element to, to NBC's broadcasting team. So Kevin Kisner kind of transferring into into a little bit more of the, the broadcasting game out of golf. Should be fun. Good opening drive. We'll uh, take a look at what Tennessee's been up to on the football side of things. The roster starting to come together. Stay with us on the Blitz. The mood is right. The spirit's up. My mind is is currently getting blown. Uh-huh. I was on Twitter during the break. I just saw the most insane Christmas rapping hack of all time. I, I, this person can rap a present, I'll tell you what. Well, uh, that's how it always is. They always make it look easier than it is. Even if it looks, I mean, that was crazy. Just they just laid the thing down, but then instead of like wrapping it up inside, they like laid it, measured it, and then they did a bunch of folding stuff. But then like open up the top, and then you drop the gift in, and then just sealed it. But like with wrap, it was crazy. Speaking of Christmas presents, Sam, Tennessee got some early Christmas presents this weekend. Uh, some recruiting news. You excited? Yeah, it gets me going. It gets me going. Some recruiting news. Uh, Some positions of need, absolutely. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest of your your additions is uh, got to be Holden stays. Notre Dame tight end. He was seen as the number one tight end in the transfer portal. It's a, definitely a position of need for Tennessee. You know, there there's been a lot of conversation about that position this off season. You know, with Justin Jolly and then him. Uh, kind of getting pushed away. You kind of pushed Hayden Eccles out of the class. But you knew you needed something at the position. People were starting to lose a little bit of their patience. And then you, you come through and you land the number one tight end prospect out there. Still think you might be looking at a second guy at the position. But now you head into the season with Holden Stays and Ethan Davis as your, your two dudes. And uh, I think that's a great place to be. Yeah. I think that's a great place to be. That was a fantastic grab for Tennessee. To be honest with you, Charlie, I was more excited about the other one. I love Holden Stays, but Jacoby Thomas, I think, fired me up a little bit more than Holden Stays. Jacoby Thomas, in-state defensive back transfer. Um, it, it was a weird recruitment because he came for Tennessee on a visit then afterwards was quoted saying, I would love to play here. This is my dream school. I always wanted to go to Tennessee. And then he committed to Oregon State like an hour later. <laughs> uh, flipped his commitment from Oregon State to Tennessee. He will be a Vol. Uh, Middle Tennessee State safety. He was a top 10 player at the position in the transfer portal. Um, 
This one gets you more excited than Holden stays? Yeah, it does. You know, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how I feel about this one. I think it's just because it's a, you know, it's a group where I think you needed depth more than anything. You know, I mean, I, you needed depth in that tight end room, but I think you really needed depth, uh, you know, in that secondary. I feel really good about Ethan Davis and Stays. I do. I think Stays is a obviously a great addition and is going to be a, I think, a great complement to the, you know, to the, a little bit more receiver kind of type that that Ethan Davis might be. Um, but I think you know, with with a lot of guys graduating and just transferring out in that secondary I think getting a guy like Jacoby Thomas is big um yeah I mean he had some great stats at MTSU it's kind of a you know he just he plays with a lot of juice plays with a lot of fire I was I was watching you know some of his highlights and stuff like that he's a he's a big hitter I I think he's going to be a a valuable asset for us in our secondary and I just feel like uh, you know, that's kind of the, the position to me that feels like needs to get shored up is the most on this team. So that's kind of why I, I liked it the most. But I'm still right there with Holden Stays. I'm nothing against Holden Stays at all. I think that's a, an unbelievable pickup for us, too. I just think that, that those two right there were, were two of the biggest ones for us, you know, obviously. Yeah, I'd still like to see you add more. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'd still like to see you add maybe another big get, a big fish in the portal. I don't know if that's coming or not, but. Um, overall, I'm pretty pleased with what you've done. You also added a commitment yesterday from the 2024 class from the JUCO ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive lineman Jamal Wallace of Sierra College in Rockland, California. Um, this is an intriguing prospect. I don't know. I saw some people online, oh, great, another three-star, old three-star Josh Heupel. That's a dumb mentality to have. It's not like It's not like adding Jamal Wallace, like, it's not like it was an either-or thing. It's not like uh, we turned away some five-star blue-chip prospect for Jamal Wallace, but I think this is a pretty intriguing get for Tennessee. Uh, three-star defensive lineman, um, 6'2", 3'02". Uh, you know, you had to beat out Houston, USF, and North Texas. Like, I get that that's not glamorous, but from what I've heard, Tennessee feels like they found an absolute gem. Like Tennessee feels like they've stumbled upon uh, somebody that just slipped through the cracks that, like, should be recruited by every top school in the country. Like, like Tennessee thinks they have found a stud, and you know whether they have or not, I, I guess we'll see. I think the staff has been decent in in some of their evaluations, but I love junior college recruiting. I'm intrigued. I think that's where you find some of your best players, to be honest with you. I think you can find some some sneaky talent yeah. in the JUCO ranks, but yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued mostly because this guy was a, a receiver. Really? This 6'2", 300-pound man, 6'2", uh, 302-pound man used to be a receiver. Uh, he was 190 pounds playing wide receiver and corner in high school. Okay. That's awesome. And uh, has now transformed his body to become a 6'2", 302-pound interior defensive lineman. But you got to think, that athleticism is still there. 100%. So 100%. I, I actually I am pretty intrigued by this. Uh, looking at Tennessee and their roster construction, just how this offseason's gone in general, I've seen a lot of people mad. Like, like People haven't been very happy, but I don't really get it. I think Tennessee's doing a, a pretty fine job. Again, like I, I'd like to see how you wrap things up. I'd like to see you av- obviously add a little bit more in the secondary, which 
you know, you just had the Villanova corner in town, and, and you know, you're, you're hoping still with the, the Rhode Island corner as well. Maybe think you're still going to try to add some more pieces there, but maybe you'd like to add, a, you know, a guard somewhere too. But I, I think for the most part, like Tennessee's done a great job this offseason. I think a lot of people maybe feel like Tennessee isn't doing as much because it's just not adding the new talent in the portal. But I think you have to say that getting returning talent back is the same thing as adding new talent in the portal. I mean, you're, you're, you're retaining the roster of guys that are proven starters for your team. They know your system. You know, they, they know this culture. I feel like that's almost more valuable than, than some transfers depending on who it is. But you know, I, I think that Tennessee is in a good spot. I think you've gotten a lot of returning talent. That's really important to this team next year. And I think, I think kind of the philosophy maybe for Heupel and this staff was, Let's make sure we get that talent back into our room now. And then now that we've got that talent back, now we can go hit the portal hard and go get some of our guys of, in positions of need. But we don't need to prioritize the portal guys before we get our returning talent back. Yeah, I don't, I, I, that has to be considered when you talk about roster construction and wins and losses. Some pretty massive wins getting guys to stay in your program instead of heading to the transfer portal. But then also to get guys to stay in your program instead of you know heading to the NFL or moving on with their lives. Like Tennessee getting four of your five offensive line starters back. Massive win. Massive win. Huge. Uh, Tennessee getting pretty much your entire front seven back outside of Tyler Barron. Massive win. Avoiding any of your young talent leaving any of those young corners that maybe would have liked a chance to play this year that didn't or you know Nico or Dylan Sampson or Cam Selden or any of those young receivers you know avoiding any kind of underclassman exodus of any kind huge you know you've done a good job keeping guys you wanted out of the portal out of the portal you've done a good job getting guys you wanted back on the roster back on the roster I know you had some guys hit the portal. Out of everyone you had hit the portal, though, I'd say outside of Tamarian McDonald and Tyler Barron, you didn't really fight to keep any of them. And I don't even think you really fought to keep Barron or, or, or McDonald either. You know, I think McDonald is a quality starter. I don't think he's an elite or, like, game-changing or unit-changing player, but I think he's a quality starter. I would have liked starter, to have him, yeah. And I would have enjoyed <laughs> having him on the roster next year. You know, I'm not going to be one of those people that – Oh, they left. We didn't need him anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think you look at Tyler Barron, and that's just an unfortunate situation. It's a guy that last year hit the portal to get a bag, and we gave him one. You know, we, we boosted the NIL payment. He came back. He had a good year. And clearly he was interested in chasing another NIL bag. And he hit the portal. And, you know, I think Tennessee said, look, we can't really set the precedent of you have a good year. You can just hit the portal over and over again, and we'll keep, you know, giving in to your financial requests. So I think Tennessee kind of had a little bit of, you know, of, of that going on where, again, you didn't want to set a certain precedent. But then also, I think Ole Miss was very much willing to overpay for Tyler Barron, and mm -hmm. Tennessee looked at their roster and they said, look, the defensive line is by far the most talented unit on this defense, at least, if not team, defense, at the position we've recruited very well for – really two, three years now. So there's talent that is waiting to be tapped into. There's talent coming back. You know, the rest of that unit, very good. You have a, a potential top 15 pick opposite of Tyler Barron's spot. So, yeah, you don't necessarily want to lose Tyler Barron, but you feel like that's not a spot, given what you have, you have to overpay either. And that's just one of those things. It's like, oh, shucks, I wish Barron could have stayed, but I understand if – 
I've got candidates Given the circumstances, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, those are some of the tough decisions you have to make in this new portal era. But, you know, outside of those two, I don't think you've suffered any any major losses, and I wouldn't even consider those major losses. I would consider those losses, yeah, but 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 not like Replaceable largely losses. detrimental. Um, you know, I think you flipped the secondary. Like you're ready to flip now to the to the younger group, and you're going to add some some depth veterans as well to compete. And uh, outside of that, you know, I think you're you're as good, if not better, at every position. Yeah, I, I like, think so too. Like I, I get like wanting more from the portal when there are such attractive names out there, but you know there are different ways to build a roster. And I think Tennessee clearly has a certain ideology in mind. But 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 like position by position, let's just go through it. Tennessee at offensive line from this current season, which hasn't come to a close yet. We still got the Citrus Bowl, but from this current season to 2024, right now in this moment, is the offensive line better, worse, or the same? I guess the same, but it's still a good offensive right. line. It's a good offensive right. line. Right. <laughs> you had an offensive line that was nominated for the best offensive line of the country, four out of five return. I'd say at a minimum the same. I One mean, of my favorite narratives, too, is is people saying, oh, like we've got our offensive line back. Like We're going to be so great with Nico. But then six games ago, it was, we can't put Nico behind this offensive yeah, line. Yeah, you know, got to move the goalposts. But, uh, I mean, your offensive line is back. I think you add in some – Pretty decent offensive line talent, like recruiting-wise. Mm-hmm. So I would say that position is marginally better because you add in a top 10 offensive line recruiting class and all you lose is Ollie Lane and Addison Nichols. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at a minimum, the same, if not better. Quarterback. Better. Better. <laughs> better. You're going to be better at quarterback next year. Receiver. Better. Better. Especially if you can land Chris Braswell from Tulane, which you are rumored to. Uh, you get Dante Thornton back. You hope to get Brew McCoy back. Squirrel White. Squirrel White, White, with, with, Squirrel White with you know an actual quarterback, I think, is like a top-of-the-conference type receiver. But then if you add in Braswell, you add in Matthews, who I think could be an immediate playmaker. And you know some of those, those freshmen and sophomores have another year of development. I think you should be better than you were a year ago at receiver. What about tight end? Moving from McAllen Castles and Jacob Warren now to Holden Stays and Ethan Davis. So you're better there. I would too. say you've gotten better. So Potential all of is this talk, better, 100%. right? So all you know, I, mean, I think your ceiling is much higher at least. So like all of this talk to me of oh, you know, Tennessee's failing this offseason, they're falling behind. Well, I don't know. I think they got better at quarterback, better at receiver, better at tight end, better or the same at offensive line, and then you know at the running back position. Honestly, I think you've got potential. I think to you be have the potential to be. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best way to put it. You have the potential there to be just as good, but even if you're you're like a little bit worse, you're still probably pretty damn good with Dylan Sampson and Cam Selden. So, what's the issue then? If you've gotten better at every position, defensive front, I think you've gotten. You haven't needed to get better. Right. You have, yeah, you, you've exactly. got guys. You just, you've got guys. Keenan Peely coming back, I think, automatically makes the linebackers better. Another year of Arian Carter. And then, yeah, that front seven, it's got guys. And then in the secondary, maybe you haven't got better. Maybe you have. We don't really know because that's kind of the, the question mark. 
Like, we could get like Jermod McCoy from Oregon State. I would feel so good. Right. So good. I mean, you 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 know, you've I think you've gotten rid of the fat. Like you've trimmed the fat in the secondary. Now it's just a question of hey, you trusted these guys when you've recruited them the last two years to come into your program and be, you know, high level contributors. Now just will they be? I guess that's where we're at in the secondary, but I think you've gotten better at every offensive position. So remind me again, like what's the big issue with this offseason? I think part of it is just there's some envy going on. You know, I think you look at the Ole Miss situation, and Ole Miss has gone stupid. I mean, they have they have gone <laughs> all in. They have it's crazy. Juice Wells, Princely Anumawera, uh, like Walter Nolan, Tyler Barron, to Marion McDonald. They're just stacking talent from the transfer portal, and by you know they should probably be a top five team next year. So I get that, like you see that, and you go well. We have more resources. We're a better program. Why can't we do that? What I think Ole Miss is doing is is looking at what they already had coming back, looking at what their schedule sets up to be in 2024 and saying, hey, let's go all in for this year. What they're doing isn't sustainable. Like Ole Miss isn't going to come back every offseason, I guess, unless you know this works to the point of winning a national championship and then that elevates the, the money that you know, you're playing with permanently. But you know, unless they do that, I imagine Ole Miss comes back next offseason and spends a little bit less and, and pull, dials it back yeah. in for a couple of years. And then when they have a good core again, that's when you you go heavy on the transfer portal and you, you spend all your resources to go all in for one season. I think we're going to start seeing more programs do that. I think Ole Miss is doing that this season. But like I don't think Tennessee is the kind of program that needs to go all in for one season and then dial it back for a couple of years. Like I think they're building for like long-term success. College football has become a lot more similar to NFL in the terms of how NIL is basically free agency and your recruiting classes are kind of like the draft. And I think you've seen, you know, Josh Heupel is clearly invested into the draft in the first couple of years of his program because he was left with nothing, essentially. And so he's he's building up that core of the team. And then, you know, you supplement in free agency with some other guys where you go out and get them in IL, but you don't need to build an entire roster in free agency because you've built the core already with your young guys and you feel good about your young guys. So I think it's just a philosophy, you know, difference between kind of where Tennessee and an old miss or, or a Colorado or like an A&M is at. And it's just a different philosophy of how you're constructing your team. And I think that the way that Hypo's doing it is much more, uh, you know, it's planned out for long-term success much better. And again, like I don't necessarily think there's one right answer. I no. think there's multiple ways to win. There's multiple ideologies. Some teams might want to go all in for one year and then dial it back and say, "All right, we might have seven and five or like eight and four, nine and three, and then we'll come back again. And we'll make another run." Like that's not a bad way to do it, but that's just not the way Tennessee's going to do it. And and the way Tennessee's doing it, probably also not a bad way to do it because you saw. I mean, last year. You were a ten-win team in the Orange Bowl, and I think next year you're set up to be a playoff team. Yeah, what's wrong with that? What's mm-hmm. bad about that, guys? Now, obviously, if you fall short next year and, and things don't go well, then then some different questions start to get raised. But um, I'm pretty dang pleased with with how Tennessee's I think handling their good. roster so far. Yeah, and and you know I I think it would be foolish to. To, to feel other ways. Uh, catch a break here, good, bad, and the ugly to close the show. Coming up next. By now in New York City, 
back here on the Blitz. Time to play a little good, bad, and the ugly from the weekend coming out of a uh, pretty loaded sports weekend, all things considered. Sam, over to you first. What is your good from the weekend? Yeah, uh, just in time, Charlie. Just talking about Old Miss in the last segment. I am going to say uh, it is Old Miss's transfer portal acquisitions. They go out and get the number one edge, Princely Umanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanim
you had success on one pass. It was your your twenty yard twenty yard throw to Traylon Burks, but the other two passes were uh, a pass to Derrick Henry for three yards and a pass to Derrick Henry for negative three yards. Everything other than that, Henry runs for two yards, negative three, no gain. A Spears run for one yard, Spears for negative five, Henry for five, Henry for negative two, two, negative seven, and two. Uh, you could have put Derrick Henry on this list too, but I don't think it's all Derrick Henry's fault. It's just everything. Just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. First player in NFL history to have 20 touches while generating less than 15 yards from scrimmage for Derrick Henry. Tough. Uh, my bad from the weekend, it is the Dallas Cowboys. We got got, Charlie. Just when just when we thought we were starting to believe in them. Just when you thought that you could believe in the Cowboys, well, they fall to 3 and 4 on the road and they lost to a good team. So uh they finally beat a good team, but it's at home still. So uh still can't trust this team. Still can't trust the Cowboys. Still can't trust them to go on the road. And unfortunately, they're probably going to have to. I mean, just embarrassed by the Bills. And that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, Dak Prescott against top five defenses this season now. One touchdown, four interceptions, and a 47.9 passer rating. So uh, even at 10-4, and four, even as impressive as the Cowboys have looked in a lot of games this season, you still can't get past the same questions. Can Dak do it against the best teams? Can the Cowboys do it on the road? Man. And that doesn't discredit a lot of the great things they've done this year. No, but it's again, just you still can't fully trust them, and maybe that's unfair. I don't know, but I don't trust them. I don't trust them to go beat Miami next week. I think they'll probably lose again. I was just road. starting to trust them too. I think they'll probably lose on the road. <laughs> They're just starting. Maybe to Maybe by a couple of scores. <sighs> Sorry, Cowboys. I want Dak to do it too. He's such a nice guy, but. Just can't do it. I don't know how I feel about Dak. He's a nice guy. I don't really have any strong feelings one way or the other. There are parts of him that I really enjoy. There are parts of him that really bother me. You're ugly from the weekend? Uh, The Detroit Pistons. 23 straight losses. Record sitting at 2-24. and they're just terrible. <laughs> and it's 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 really unbelievable. Uh they lost to the Bucks 146 to 114. Uh Giannis was bringing like his little infant children onto the bench and just sitting them on the bench of an NBA game during the game. Just disrespectful. Um Detroit joins the 95-96 Vancouver Grizzlies, 97-98 Nugs and and the uh 2011-2012 Bobcats losing 23 straight in the same season. Uh, longest streak, 26 consecutive games, actually 28. So we'll see if this, we'll see if these Pistons can, can set records, not good ones though. Uh, the Pistons suck. Monty Williams, the coach over there, they can't do anything right. They have way too much talent on their young talent on their team to be two and 24. Uh, there was a point last week that the Pistons, Spurs, and Wizards were 1-54 combined over their last 55 games, and the only win was just the Wizards beating the Pistons. That's awesome. I screenshotted that tweet. That's awesome. I think since then the, the Spurs actually beat the Lakers. Yeah. 
I, I screenshotted that tweet on Thursday of last week. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. They've been ugly for a while. It's been ugly for a while. Uh, my ugly, it was the Atlanta Falcons, maybe just the game in general. Like 3,000 people showed up to sit in the pouring rain to watch the Panthers beat the Falcons 9-7 to and hey, tie the Pistons win total on the year. <laughs> uh, just a terrible game. And it was almost my ugly, but I can't blame them for not going either, you know? I mean, my ugly is more so on the Falcons, the fact that they just choked away their chance of the division uh, with this mess. And you know what, Arthur Smith? Uh, what are you doing, man? I was defending you for a while, but, like, it's beyond fantasy football. Like, just give your best players the ball. That's Come really back in BROC. It. That's really – I don't know if I even want him to, dude. No, he gave, be fine. He fine. gave Ty Algier and Cordero Patterson 22 touches yesterday. While Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts combined for 17. And you've used three straight high first round picks on all of those three guys. What are we doing? What are we doing, Arthur Smith? You're only scoring seven points. Maybe just start giving the ball to your better players. He needs a quarterback. It was ugly. Uh, good show today. That'll wrap things up on this Monday edition of the Blitz. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow morning. Uh, but for Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. Appreciate y'all tuning in. John Reed, Cody McClure, Talk Sports, up next.